bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Chef Daniel Leder was one of the earliest proponents of artisanal bread making in this country and continues to run his bakery, Bread Alone, which he founded in 1983. Bread Alone is an iconic bakery that has become one of the most beloved artesian bread companies in the country. Today, professional Bakers and bread enthusiasts from all over the world flock to Bread Alone's headquarters in the Catskills to learn Dan's signature techniques and baking philosophy. In his new book, Living Bread, Dan invites readers to join him as he travels through Europe investigating the state of artisanal bread baking today. At the heart of Living Bread are stories of dozens of European bakers who challenge themselves every day using unusual techniques, special ingredients, years of experience, and centuries of inherited knowledge to make the most delicious and nutritious bread for their communities. With over 60 unique and appealing recipes for beginners and bread experts alike, the master bread baker himself, Chef Dan Leder, is here, and he joins us today. So thanks, Chef, for coming on. It's it's so my pleasure. Happy to be here. So this book, Living Bread, it took several years for you to put it all together, but what was the catalyst of starting you out on this pilgrimage uh, through Europe to, to find where we are at the state of bread making today? Well, I joke with uh, my, my friends and colleagues that I'm a graduate of the Backdoor School of Baking, which basically means you go to the back door of any bakery, you knock on the door, and very politely ask if you can come in and um, learn. And I've just been really lucky in my career that so many bakers have been so willing to share their lives with me. I mean, whether it's their recipes or their favorite food or their favorite drink or their favorite places to go walking in the countryside or their favorite farmers, um, I've just been really fortunate to have these great experiences and uh, I was motivated to write about them. Are bakers more likely to share their recipes than, than chefs, or is that kind of universal that people keep it close to the vest, or do you think bakers are more open to share? You know, I think bakers as a rule, you know, it's hard to generalize in life, but bakers as a rule tend to be very warm and very open people, and, um, you know, um, Baking bread is hard work, and to, to, to work at night is really hard. And so bakers spend a lot of time working by themselves or in small groups. And so I think that the work kind of creates a, a certain bond among people, even among strangers who are bakers. I, I, often, I often say that when bakers shake hands, there's a secret handshake because when you work with dough for a long time, your skin gets really soft and the oils from the flour. So when you shake a baker's hand, it's really common that the palm is very soft, that the fingers are soft. And so there's like this secret thing that goes on between bakers. And if you shake hands, then you're a member of the club because they know you're another baker. 
<laughs> Interesting. Well, that's a, a a plus for being a baker. You can have soft hands. We don't have to put all that lotion on all the time. It's just you're from your natural ingredients. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you started out uh, going to chef school. So, and then and then you evolved into a baker. So, does one choose baking, or does baking choose the person? Do you think? I think baking chooses the person person because you know i mean on one hand nothing could be more boring than being a professional baker because basically you do the same thing at the same time in 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 a a similar organization every day because the best bread is bread that's you know a solid routine i mean whether you bake bread in a bakery or you bake bread at home it's not something that you just like uh, can just kind of wing your way through. You know, it, it requires discipline. It requires organization. It requires time and temperature. So it, it, it calls to a certain type of people. And in France, it's quite interesting because you have the world of pastry and you have the world of bread. And it's, it's very seldom that a bread baker becomes a pastry chef or a pastry chef becomes a bread baker. It's just, it's kind of two personalities. Mm-hmm. I, I would think so because like you said, you know, bread is, is hard work and uh, not everyone has big machinery to kind of knead the dough. A lot of that you know, is still done by hand and, and uh, that can be tiresome. Oh, very much so. And just, just picking up, 25 kilo bags of flour over and over and over again. It's hard work. That's 55 pounds in a, in a bag of flour. And, you know, when you, you know, most bakers have uh, small kneading machines, these spiral mixers or these fork mixers. But even, you know, cutting the dough, if you have a one bag mixer or a two bag mixer, you're, you're cutting out 100 or 200 pounds of dough. It's, it's hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I watched my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother my entire life they, they were bread makers uh, for our family mm. they, they made bread and still do to this day um, my mom is uh, 78 years old and she still makes her own bread and there is an art and a craft to that and has that been lost and having a resurgence or do you think it's always been there and it's just starting to get the attention that it deserves well, there's definitely a resurgence, and uh, I I have not been a big social media person in my career. Um, you know, I've been a bread baker, baking bread all the time. But, you know, with this book coming out, I had to kind of enroll in all the, the common social media um, world. And I'm amazed on Instagram, the thousands and thousands of bread bakers who are posting pictures of their sourdough and kneading the dough and the, the cell structure and the crust structure, I definitely feel that with this renewed interest in fermented foods, bread is right at the top of the list. And people are so eager to learn and share. I, I'm just amazed at like the number of bread-making groups there are on Facebook and Instagram and the chat groups. Um, so I, there's definitely a resurgence um, of interest, and I think there's even a resurgence of small craft bakeries, uh, not only here but all over, all over the Europe. I, I, there's a there's a, 
a, a big group in Australia, um, New Zealand, um, Canada. Of course, in Europe, it's it's quite it's quite common. But even in Eastern Europe, where where big bakeries were the norm um, under the Soviet bloc, you see these little little bakers popping up and baking traditional uh, regional sourdough breads, and it's quite exciting. It is, and I, I think people are starting to really realize the fact, as they have in fruits and vegetables, that there is so much of a different taste in homemade bread versus, obviously, store-bought bread. The same thing, they're going to their local um, uh, farmer's markets. There's a huge difference between um, fresh fruits and vegetables than canned or uh, frozen fruits and vegetables and so it's the same thing with bread when you have real bread that's not mass produced um, and watered down and put all kinds of you know chemicals and preservatives in it the, the, the taste is I mean there's there's nothing it's just one of the best luxuries you can give give to yourself because it's absolutely yeah. it just explodes in your mouth well I, I like to say that craft bread is a different kind of food. So I don't even want to put it like in the bread category because most mm-hmm. people, when they think of bread, they're thinking of commercial breads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like like let's put artisanal bread in its own little silo of good food um, in the same way that people don't really compare some of the mass-produced commercial beers and wines with, with fine wines or craft beers. It's it's a different category. You wouldn't say of of you know um, I'm 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 going to have your get your local craft beer. You know oh, I'm just going to have a beer. Like right. you're going to you're going to qualify it in some way. And I think that people are moving in that direction when it comes to true handcrafted artisanal breads. Absolutely, it's it's a craft. It's an art. Uh, it's it's fine living. Um, bread is is uh, it's it's something that every culture has. Uh, it's not lost on me the irony that you were a philosophy major who went on to become a master bread maker. Uh, bread is a symbol of life. It's mentioned over and over again in the Bible. Every culture on earth has their form of bread. It's a symbolism is there between bread and life. It's, it's abundant. Everybody talks about it. And so there's so much more that all of these cultures all over the world have experienced for centuries and today with bread and you were able to tap into that in your book living bread when you visited these some of these bakers in europe for instance yeah and i and i really went out of my way to find bakers who i considered unique and who i um who i found really um you know really exciting and people that motivated me and uh, it's very very exciting there are a lot of women uh, opening their own bakeries, and there's a whole new world of of uh, happening there, and so it's it, it's it's a changing it's a changing time, and it's exciting. I think it's a great time for bread. Mm-hmm. Well, what were your expectations going into the project, and what what did you expect that that you did see, and what blew you away that that you didn't know was happening? Well, I I went into the project knowing that a bakery is, is only as good as the baker. 
And because even in Europe, there is so much manufactured bread and there is so much manufactured bread that even looks like artisanal bread. They have these huge tunnel ovens and it dusts it with flour and it can have, it can have the perception of the right crust and the right crumb structure. Um, what was so interesting for me is that you could be in an area, there's a, there's a man named um, Pierre Nori, and he has a little bakery in the Auvergne region of France, and it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like, you have to go out of your way to find this bakery. You know, it's in a, in a very remote, uh, very kind of um, special country-fied area of France. Uh, you know, Auvergne is really beloved by, by people. It's rugged. It's mountainous. And you go to this guy's bakery on a Saturday morning, and the queue is 50 people deep. I am not exaggerating. You have to get in line and, and, and wait in line to get your bread because this guy's bread is so delicious, and people drive for an hour or two hours to go. And you even find that in Paris where there's uh, boulangeries, you know, n not on every corner like there used to be, but like, you know, it's, 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 you're going to find one every few blocks. The bakers who bake great bread have long lines. I mean, really long lines, not just Saturdays, but every day. There's a guy named Rudolf Lademan, who I write about in the book, and he's kind of a boulangerie a boulanger um, entrepreneur. He's someone who's a baker, and he's very much a businessman and entrepreneur. And he has he has bakeries that sell 1,500 baguettes a day, each bakery in different neighborhoods of Paris. Okay, Jeez. plus all of his specialty breads. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of baguettes. 1,500 mm -hmm. baguettes out the front door. I mean, so even in areas where there's a lot of bread available. People go out of their way to 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 support good bakeries and buy good bread. And I saw that in Italy. I saw it in Sicily. I mean, Sicily is, of course, part of Italy. But, like, I would go to these different parts of Europe. But there's a woman I write about in Austria. And, you know, people line up on Saturdays. There's a baker named Ernst Eibel that I write about um, northwest of Munich in this little tiny town. People come from all over Germany. It's like a pilgrimage to go to his bakery. Are these bakers, are, are you seeing more younger generations of theirs? Are, are, are they passing this down within in their families because they are masters themselves? Are, are you seeing oh, interest within the family? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, there's the, there's a, a bakery called the Forno di Sergio, and Gensano, south of Rome, and Sergio's son is running the bakery, and and uh, in Austria, uh, there's a woman named De Denise uh, Polshauer. I'm, I'm sorry, Denise, if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, and she took over her grandfather's bakery. Okay, it's not it's not common, but it's certainly not uncommon mm -hmm. to find well, it's children. Yeah, well, it, it certainly is a, a craft, just like winemaking or, like you said, craft beer, um, music, farming. You know, um, sometimes children join in to the farm business or the craft beer or the winemaking, and, and, and some don't. But it definitely, this bread making is a craft, just 
just as those other things are. And and I really hope that uh, more families do get involved and really keep that, that going. And it sounds like that's happening. Well, I, I'm very lucky because I'm one of those. My son is now <laughs> – uh, running Bread Alone, he's uh, the CEO, and the, he's running the whole company now, and uh, he's very passionate about uh, what we do and how we're doing it, and creating a great work environment for our employees, and uh, you know, supporting local farms and local mills. So uh, I'm lucky that uh, I'm living that family tradition right now. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because bread alone, it's it's like one of those bakeries that you mentioned. People come from all over to get your bread. You deliver all over New York, all over the east there, and, and, and people come. Uh, I was just thinking about you. Uh, you you have a place in Woodstock, and they were going to have the other Woodstock 50-year anniversary or something. I thought, oh, he's going to be inundated, and then I guess it got canceled. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you saw still lots of people. I mean, they're coming oh, yeah, from yeah. all over for, for your yeah, bread and, as well. And, and the, cat, the, cat, the, the, the Hudson Valley has become quite popular now. It's, a, it's become, you know, they have, they have uh, T-shirts now, Hamptons or Catskills. So we've, bec- we've become <laughs> a, po- a, a popular area. Um, but, yeah, and plus, we, you know, we bring our bread to the people. So you, you can go to New York City. You can get our bread at the, you know, at the major farmer's markets, whether it's Union Square or Grand Army Plaza. But we do about 40 farmer's markets a week in the New York metropolitan area, and we literally sell our bread at hundreds of, of um, retail outlets uh, through, throughout the Hudson Valley and New York City. It's amazing. Do you have a favorite bread? That's like asking me if I have a favorite kid. You know, <laughs> okay. You know, uh, let, 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 let's let's put it this way: there are days when I'm favoring one child over another for a reason that I can't explain. But I wouldn't right. call it a favorite. Like, oh, so right. like, like maybe I'm spending more time or having more conversation. Um, but um, you know, I like simple breads. I love sourdough breads. I do love the pizza Bianca from Rome in the book. I do love the chocolate rolls from Provence. And I do love the torta mule, this whole wheat sourdough bread um, that I write about. But it's hard. It's, 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 a, it's just um, like a wine. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you want certain wines at some time and certain wines at another. But, you know, I'm, I, I, like, I like variety. And um, so that's a hard question. <laughs> well, I completely get that. Um, well, is there anything then that maybe you like to put on your bread? That are, are you just a plain bread guy or olive oil or well, butter? Well, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm an olive oil or butter guy. Uh, like today, <laughs> I had for lunch, I had soup with a toasted whole wheat sourdough with a little bit of butter. But I do want to say something that I think is 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 related. You know, people are afraid to make good bread. People find yeast intimidating. People find sourdough intimidating. And uh, I, I'd like to remind my readers that, you know, people, humanity has been making bread for thousands of years. And commercial yeast was only invented in the late 1880s, uh, uh, 19. So it was really around 1900, a little over, you know, 100 years ago, that people even started making bread with commercial yeast. So I just like to really set the message out that making good bread is simple and straightforward and uncomplicated. 
so that people can have a favorite bread because they're not afraid to make it themselves. And the, and the taste is unparalleled to anything else that they'll ever, ever taste uh, store-bought. Absolutely. And there are so many great flowers available now. When I think about the choice of flowers that people have now versus when my first book came out, Bread Alone, 26 years ago, and, and I had a, a flower section in the book. I mean, the, 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 the sources were so, li so limited. And now you can get flowers from all over the world with a click of your computer. So not only is bread baking not complicated, you can get the best flowers in the world delivered to your, to your front door in, in, in a day or two. So, you know, uh, there's no excuse not to, not to try. Absolutely, and, we, and we're seeing that in the Pacific Northwest. Over on the east side of Washington, um, there's an area called the Palouse, Pullman, uh, Moscow, and they are um, they grow, I mean, an abundance of wheat. Uh, I think they're the largest uh, wheat farms in, in the nation. And we're seeing locally ground wheat coming from those farms uh, on the Palouse. Um, it's that area is it's really interesting because those farmers over there they never have to water that Palouse area sits on an old ice age um, underground aquifer and it just yeah. naturally you know feeds itself the water and the wheat that comes out of there is just it's it's wonderful and we're being able to tap into that like you said through more people locally um, producing flour from those fields. I, I happen to know, you know, personally through my own experience uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. And, and actually one of the research centers um, uh, at Washington State University is run by a guy named Dr. Stephen Jones, and he's been really leading the charge in the United States um, to, to uh, find more heirloom varieties of wheat that make uh, uh, flowers that are great for artisanal bread. So you guys are kind of ground zero for some of that innovation um, that's happening in the country right now. Well, that is good to hear. There's a lot of great stuff that goes on at WSU. But you do talk about in your book, going back to sourdough, how it, it's good for your health. So I, you were saying, you know, some people can be afraid of bread, but people have been eating bread since there's been people. And, um, and, we, and it's kept humanity alive. Uh, through many, many ups and downs, you know, in, in the world. And sourdough, for one thing, has good health benefits for you. Uh, absolutely. And I want to preface that what I say is I'm neither a nutritionist or an agronomist, okay? So I get a lot of what I call scientific truth from people that I talk to and people that I speak to. But, you know, sourdough... Um, is a probiotic, okay? The sourdough pre-digests uh, some of the uh, gluten that's um, um, in the flours, which, is, which, which makes the bread easier to eat. It also produces very healthy uh, bacteria and acids, uh, and it preserves bread. So sourdough is a, a really healthy part of great artisanal bread. So, um, you know, it, it takes longer to make. Uh, the fermentation uh, is good for you. The, you know, it's a fermented food. And so um, it's really, 
it's really good for it's good for people to know that sourdough bread is a healthy uh, a, a healthy food, and I and also pe- many people don't know that 20% of global protein that's consumed in the world is consumed in the form of wheat. So it's a really healthy form of, of protein as well. It is, and I think a lot of people get um, distracted with this gluten-free um, type of diet, and there are some people who actually do have a gluten um, uh, they are allergic to, and that's a very, very small percentage of the population. No, so, so, listen, uh, celiac disease is a real thing, and, and people right. shouldn't uh, mess, uh, mess around with it. But I have a section in my book called Ancient Grains, Heirloom Wheat, and Wheat Sensitivity. And I did a lot of uh, work with uh, uh, um, a guy named Mark Sorrells, who's, uh, who's a professor and a Ph.D. at Cornell University. And he says, it's his, it's his premise that, that a lot of the gluten sensitivity is not gluten itself, it's the way foods are processed. Mm-hmm. That so many, foods are, oh, so many things are made from ungerminated grain. Uh, there's been a replacing long diverse fermentation with fast-acting baker's yeast. Um, people eating products that are non-acidic dough, non-sourdoughs. Uh, a lot of foods have added wheat protein, wheat gluten to them. And this focus on overly refined white flour. So, again, is, mm-hmm. is the problem wheat? Or is the problem that the products made from wheat are, are, are produced industrially and over-refined? And that's the big question in my mind. And Mark, you know, Mark uh, hypothesis that, that it is the result of you know, generations of people eating uh, flour that's overly refined. So, you know, maybe this movement of, of stone ground flours and sourdough and handmade bread will, will help to open, um, open the door to new understanding about, about, about wheat and gluten that will give us a, a different perspective than we read in the newspapers every day. I agree. I, when I was growing up, like I said, my mother always, we, she made her own bread. That was very unusual. Um, and when I would go to school, my sandwiches would be on homemade different bread, whatever bread she had made <clears throat> the day before. And I would look around at the other kids, and they all had this Wonder Bread. And I would go home, and, and, and they would question me on my bread. What kind of bread is that? Where did you get that bread? I, it was just a, it was odd to them. And mm. it was odd to me a little bit, too, um, as a child. And so I'd go home, and when we'd go to the store, I'd say, can't, can't we just get Wonder Bread? I just want to be like everybody else. And my dad would say, that's not bread. And I'd go, you know, it is bread. It says bread right on the um, package. But uh, and, and then he he would never let us buy it. And then he would tell us when, when that didn't work, because he'd always say that's not bread. And that he, my, my whole life, I grew up with his mantra, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. And so he told mm. us that over and over and over. And then when I got to be out on my own, I went and I bought Wonder Bread. And I will tell you, it was the most horrible experience of my life. And everything my parents had told me that I had rebelled against up to that point um, with bread 
I, it just came crashing down on me, stuck to the roof of my mouth. It was so doughy. There was no taste. It was awful. And then I was out of the house. I wasn't close to where my mother was making this bread all the time, but I really, through kind of this school of hard knocks, um, really appreciated what she had done for us all of those all of those years and that's still to this day when I go home uh, my mom has bread she sends bread home with us and I try to find it wherever I can locally where, where someone's making bread so there there is a humongous difference and it's I don't even know why they call it bread um, mm. on the store because it's it's so much uh, it's 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 not bread <laughs> no yeah yeah well that's for sure well listen we, we I, I'm, I'm glad you're out yep. there um, fighting for us bakers because we, we it's it's a it's a good thing well I will tell you the book living bread is absolutely amazing it's more than a book it's art it's science it's recipes new twists and tips um, it, it talks about uh, looking at how bread and baking has evolved and how it's changed. It makes a wonderful gift, and it's a necessary tool for anyone's kitchen, and you become a better baker. Practice, practice, practice is what you said. And one, one uh, last thing is that uh, I was lucky to meet one of the finest food photographers in the world, uh, a man named by uh, Jörg Lehman, and Jörg traveled all over Europe to take these amazing photos. So the, the book would not be the same without Jörg's photos, and uh, it was really a partnership. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's a necessary tool for anyone's kitchen. And if you are a novice baker or you're a professional baker, you have professional tips in the book. It's an absolutely must-have, and you can find it at wherever books are sold and you can also go to uh, Daniel's website and find out where he's going to be coming to uh, a bookstore near you he'll be doing some uh, demonstrations and some book signings and some lectures and what's your website again chef uh, uh, my uh, website is danleader.com and uh, there's also you can go to my Instagram uh, Dan makes bread and there will be lots of information on both places Sounds good. Well, congratulations on another book. All of your books always do very, very well. Everyone follows you because you are the sensei when it comes to bread making here in the United States, and everybody knows your name. And I'm sure this book is going to be another great hit, and I appreciate the time that, that you took. I know I kept you over, um, but I appreciate the time that you took to come on and, and talk with us here in the Pacific Northwest. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. We'll be right back. 